You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Locked On Colts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today is always your host, Evan Sider, and joined by a very special guest today, Matt Williamson, our Locked On NFL host. Matt, how are you doing today? I am fantastic. How are you? Good to finally talk to you. Yeah, no problem. I'm excited to get this podcast back up and going. The Colts are looking great, and we might as well dive right into it right now. What's your overall thoughts on the Colts offseason so far? They obviously have we have the NFL draft a month from today. Chris Ballard has nine picks. I think he has four in the top 100. So there's high expectations for him to hit, hit the draft out of the park once more like he did last year. But let's focus on free agents here for just a second. We have Devin Funches on a one-year $10 million deal and also a Justin Houston on two years $24 million deal, which I think both those are pretty good as far as bargain deals go. What do you think about the offseason so far and also keeping all their guys in-house, too, on some really good contracts? Yeah, I mean, I think keeping your guys in-house is the key here. You know, I mean, I think that they are truly building this slow from the ground up with a really solid foundation based around, you know, Luck, a great offensive line, Leonard, and they're going to keep adding pieces on both sides of the ball. Um, So I do think slow and steady, might have been a shock for some people. I mean, I think a lot of people in the offseason were looking at this this Colts team saying, boy, they have as much cap space as anybody else. They're going to be out there signing Jadavian Clowney and, you know, huge-name guys. And they didn't. You know, I mean, they, they got two brand-name players from outside the organization, but they didn't go crazy. I, I think this is something Colts fans should be excited about because I think Ballard is showing very quickly that, he realizes how to spend your money and what the good deals are and what you know the mistakes that are made so early in free agency are problems. You know, I mean, they come back to bite you. I mean, some of these guys, like, I'll be really shocked if, say, C.J. Mosley isn't cut two years from now. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many bad contracts that were signed, and, yeah, the cap keeps going up, but most of the time those early big splash deals end up not lasting. Yeah, it's really interesting to me. Just the Colts did have $109 million of cash space going to free agency. They were very prudent with that, not really spending any at all. And you see these deals like CJ Mosey's $17 million a year, Landon Collins for a box safety, getting about $16 million in his first year. What do you think just about the free agency signings overall? Because it's just surprising from a Colts fan's point of view because Ryan Grigson was the guy who always put his toes in the free agency. You got the LeBron Landry's, the Frank Gores, the Andre Johnson of the world who didn't end up working out one bit, and but instead they now have a patient GM. What do you think about the approach of that? Because it just seems like a welcome breath of fresh air in Indianapolis. Yeah, and I hope uh, Colts fans see it that way, that you know, use the great example of Grigson always looking for the quick fix and spending big money on big-name guys that weren't worth it at that stage of their career. This should be a very refreshing change. And my hunch is, I mean, I know how fan bases work. I'm sure some Colts fans were like, man, we wanted some, we wanted more, though. I mean, they only gave us two guys. Come on. But I, I think that they're both really good fits, and we probably should discuss those two individually. Um, but I think it's, you know, the rest of the AFC should be worried. I mean, I really think if there's a new powerhouse in the AFC, and I know we'll start talking about this stuff later in the podcast, Kansas City obviously comes to mind, but I would really fear the Colts. Yeah, we should dive right into that. Good segue, Matt. We should just go right into Devin Funches here, the first signing, and then we'll go to and Justin Houston in just a few minutes here. Devin Funches, I actually heard Chris Ballard on Ian Rapport's podcast this morning. He said he views Devin Funches as a long-term investment, even though it's a one-year deal, kind of compared to the Alshon Jeffries signing, 
who ironically worked with Frank Reich in 2017 with the Eagles, who eventually got extended there. Seems like a really good fit on the surface there of Frank Reich's offense. How do you think Bunch will work out as a number two next to T.Y. Hilton? Yeah, and uh, I got to admit, whenever I saw this one come across, and it was very early in free agency, I kind of shook my head going, boy, that's a lot of money for a guy that kind of got benched at the end of his tenure in Carolina. He's not a speedster. He's a slower mover, big target. But the more I thought about it, you know, I kind of liked Funches, you know, for most of his career. I didn't think he was a bad player by any stretch. Um, and I just think that Carolina was looking for a different type of weapon. They were looking for smaller, quicker, shiftier, you know, jet motion type guys. And the more I thought about it, how different is Funches and Ebron? I mean, they're almost the same guy. You can put WR next to him or TE next to him. But they're really, really similar. They're probably about equal blockers. Uh, Ebron might even run a smidge better, you know, just in a straight line. And I do think that Locke has shown, going back to his Stanford days, the tight end types are not the one he's most comfortable with, but he's certainly very comfortable with. And, you know, I, I think the usage of big-bodied slot receiver tight end guys can be really hard to game plan against if you're a defense. So, you know, there's that old adage that, adage that, you know, you're trying to kind of build a basketball team with your receiving core, you know, with like a Doyle being your center and Ebron being your power forward and Funchess is maybe your shooting guard, you know, your small forward and Hilton will be your point guard. And then maybe there's a player to be named in this draft who's going to be the six foot, 200 pound receiver. or Maybe it's even Deion Kane. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Just how many weapons the Colts have, Matt, because it never used to be that way. It just used to be the Donnie Averys of the world, the Chester Rogers of the world. But now you have so many weapons for the first time in Andrew Luck's career, it feels like, and certified ones at that. They used to be unproven talent under Grixon. But it's really interesting to me, the point you bring up there is with Doyle and Funch. She used to be a tight end in Michigan as well. I think they're going to do some really elaborate stuff this year as far as offense goes. And with all these weapons, you could be on Kane and a top 50 pick, I assume, on a receiver here. They're going to might have one of the most elite offenses in the NFL. Yeah, and obviously the key is the quarterback. And, you know, yes, he's had some injuries, and maybe he doesn't have quite the fastball he used to. But one of the things that made Luck the, the ultra-supreme prospect coming out of Stanford was his mind and his body, and his mind's only getting better. And, you know, he can – you can put so much on his plate. And I think we will see a big advancement in scheme from this offense this year with, you know, more more moving pieces, you know, different usage of the running backs. they got a variety of running backs. they got a variety of tight ends. I think what's all said and done, they'll have a variety of receivers that will allow them to attack weaknesses a lot better on a week-to-week basis, and it all goes through luck. Yeah, one more quickly on Andrew Luck, just since we're talking about him. Do you feel like he's underrated in NFL circles right now? Just because <laughs> I laugh because I think he's the most underrated player in the league, or maybe that I can remember. And it's funny because I'm not stealing this information from him, but there's an analyst out there named Kean Fahey who just started his own website, and it's a pay site. I signed up yesterday. I haven't read one article from it, but. He lists all the quarterbacks, and it's basically a quarterback-driven scouting website, and, and I think he does very good good work. And his quarterback list, Andrew Luck is number one. 
the best quarterback in the entire league. And I'm not sure I disagree. I mean, I really think he is at that level. I don't understand why people aren't realizing that the best still might be yet to come, and he still might be the best quarterback in the league. I mean, I'm somewhat embarrassed to say this, but like going into the season, I forget what the Colts over over under win total was. I thought it was like six or six and a half, something like that. And I thought the best, one of the best bets in Vegas was the Colts under. I mean, I just thought there was really short on talent a year ago, and didn't know luck status. But I always said if you know, but but I've been the biggest luck supporter out there, and. I'm not saying he's the only reason they got to the playoffs, but he's going to be a massive reason that they're perennially in the playoffs. And to be honest, I mean, I'm not sure I'd rather have another quarterback in the league. I agree with you. Just you see the clutch situations, especially that Miami game last year. I was there in person. You see how he just goes in the pocket, rolls up there, and goes past all those guys and makes a 60-yard bomb in the air. I feel like maybe Aaron Rodgers does that in the league, and that's just it. Maybe Patrick Mahomes too, but it's a very short list. So. You see just how elite of a prospect Andrew Luck is. He's only he's going to be age 30 next season. Do you feel like the prime is yet to come for Andrew Luck, especially after this is the first time he's going to have an offseason without rehab in five years? Right. I think his 30s will be much better than his 20s. And people forget, I mean, nationally they forget. I'm sure Colts fans don't. But pre-injury, I mean, he was in the conversation right behind Brady and Rodgers as, you know, the best guy in the league. And Again, he's kind of the perfect match of physicality and mentality, and no one. I, I think he. I think in some ways, I'm curious what you think about this because early in the year, I think they were truly trying to keep him healthy, you know, nurse his arm back to shape, get it out quick. But in a way, it wouldn't shock me if we look back ten years from now and say that might have been the best thing for Luck. You know, to reel him in a little bit, play a little more conservatively realize when to fold them and you know you don't always have to hold them and battle all the time that I think that was an extremely valuable learning experience for him during his injury and then that month or two coming back and I thought the coaching staff did a great job of making that happen I totally agree with you because if you also look at his yards per air attempt I think it was around four and a half and went up to around almost eight the last nine or ten games of the mm-hmm. season and the offensive line too he got beaten up in that first month of the season before they all drove sure. in and you got all those bumps and bruises out of the way. Then that's when Frank Reich opened up the offense and let him air out his arm. And that was just a, I think, a genius thing by Frank Reich. And it kind of just shows how elite of a coaching staff this team has, too. And I think you have the quarterback, you have the coach, you have the general manager. Just from an overall uh, standpoint, foundation-wise, Matt, it seems like this team is just truly heading in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned that. I mean, I don't know Mr. Ursay, but he's there's mixed reviews about him. Obviously, that he's he's a, a more of a a radical owner than some. But you mentioned that you know that that triumphant that that general manager to head coach to quarterback is very very enviable. And I'm just sitting here thinking. I mean, it might be the one I would want most in in terms of going forward. I mean, Belichick and Brady historically, and Belichick holds two of those hats basically. Uh, is about the best of all time and is still obviously ridiculously good and they just won the Super Bowl. But you look at that trio in Indianapolis right now, that's hard to beat. I mean, I like I like Reed Mahomes and, you know, their general managers are all right as well. But you're right. And now that you have an offensive line, I mean, you're, you're starting to really build – I like to use the word infrastructure. I mean, I think the infrastructure, the infrastructure in Indianapolis, that's hard to say, is as good as any in the league. You know, if you are building a building – the foundation in Indy is really, really nice. 
Yeah, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a really nice 2020s decade coming here for the Indianapolis Colts. And we might as well flip to the other side of the ball real quick before we go over to the AFC competition for the Colts. And you see the recent signing here of Justin Houston. The Colts kind of surprised last year the top 15 ranked defense, and they kept all their pieces from last year. All 11 starters are back. Now you add Justin Houston in the mix as a situational third down rusher who, and I looked up on Pro Football Focus yesterday. In a three-point stance and a 4-3, pretty much Houston is the most efficient guy in that position in the NFL, and they got him on a two-year, $24 million deal. So add him alongside those young pass rushers there, maybe drafting their pass rusher too, like a Christian Wilkins on the inside or at all, or if they trap for something like that, or maybe an edge rusher, who knows. It seems like add those in alongside a Malik Hooker and a Darius Leonard. You have three levels of the defense now, all kind of secured now, and it's kind of a re- weird feeling for me, Matt, because in my years of living on this earth, the Colts have never had an elite defense, and they might just not have one. Doesn't it kind of remind you of the Freeney Mathis situation? You know, I mean, it, they don't have both yet, but I think they have one of the two, and maybe another one comes next off season or in this draft or something along those lines. Playing in a dome, you know, your offense is going to put up points just like it did with Manning. You know, pass rushing late in the game and shootouts is going to be a premium. And you're right, Houston. I mean, I watched him quite a bit because there was a lot of rumors he was going to come here to Pittsburgh. You know, I guess he they flirted with him and, you know, Steeler Nation wanted him really bad. And he still has it. I mean, durability, I think, might be an issue. And I wondered aloud if that's why it took him so long to get signed. Did some team doctors, you know, not put their stamp of approval on it? I don't know that. I mean, no one told me that. I'm just guessing. But you wait a little bit. You get him at a, a great price. And he's exactly what they need, and he should act as a good mentor for the next pass rusher, the younger guy, that's, you know, to be named later. Well, let me ask you this, because Adam Schefter brought this up in a report, I believe a couple minutes after he reported Justin Houston signing, that the Colts were interested in D Ford before they circled back around Justin Houston. Do you agree with what they did signing Justin Houston on a tier $24 million deal instead of giving away some draft capital, maybe a third-round pick this year, or a like it was for the 49ers, a 2020 second-round pick? I tr- Well... Medical aside, I trust Houston much more because Ford, to me, is somewhat of a one-hit wonder. He's a little more finesse than I would like. Did it just happen to coincide with a contract year that he had his best year, or did he truly come into his own? That, to me, is a red flag in terms of not enough to give up. I mean, you might have to give up more than a second-round pick, considering the Niners gave up a second, and and then you got to sign him long-term too. So. I would prefer Houston over Ford. I trust them when they're both on the field. I trust Houston more. And I think he might even be the superior player right this minute. I agree with you, actually. I'm kind of glad Ballard went that route because I know he loves his draft picks. And with his draft success, you can't really blame him at this point. But before we go on to our AFC competition for the Colts, I wanted to ask you just really quickly, what's your thoughts about Darius Leonard? Because he really burst on the scene last year, one defensive rookie of the year, 163 tackles. In year one, I, I just feel like the sky's the limit for that guy. It's the first time the Colts might have an elite linebacker re- really outside. I think he's a, a lot better than Gary Brackett ever was for the Colts, and it just seems like the sky's the limit for him as well. Yeah, and it's funny. I'm sitting here racking my brain like, who else is even in the conversation? You know, second-level great Colts linebackers over the years. I mean, it's pretty slim pickings, and part of that's by design. I mean, in the Manning years, they just didn't spend any money at that position. You know, they'd put rookies in and then after three or four years, they'd be on their way and then rinse repeat. But Leonard to me is not only perfect for today's NFL, but I think he's perfect for that scheme. I think he's perfect in terms of 
his age gelling with this team getting good at the right time, which isn't a coincidence either, but the true quarterback of that defense. You know, I was talking with on my podcast on Locked On NFL today. I was I did a segment with Joe Marino about the Bills, and I kind of mentioned how you know they have last off season they went out and they got their Cam Newton and Luke Keekley. You know, it's a Carolina based front office and. I, I love the idea of having a middle linebacker and a quarterback that are the true faces on each, each side of the ball and the true quarterbacks and leaders. And I think the Colts have that too, which goes back to an earlier conversation when you and I were having about, you know, infrastructure, you know, I mean, he's going to be the guy with the green dot and, um, you know, a foundational piece that's really young to build around that will never leave the field. Yeah, it's really exciting just talking about just both sides of the ball for Indianapolis Colts. It just seems like the first time in a decade, it feels like since Peyton Manning was at his peak, they're going to have maybe the best team they've had assembled. Just as high expectations are warranted around here, I believe, since the Colts kind of stunned one last year, 10-6, and I think they're going to be a lot better than that this year. But let's go on to their competition now, Matt. Looking ahead here, let's just go down the list. I mean, we should start off with the most splashiest team that might be on the list not compared to last year, the Cleveland Browns. They got Odell Beckham and a really of a stunner trade in the New York Giants. So I think they got 50 cents on the dollar for Odell the Cle- that Cleveland did. What do you think about the Browns now? And with Baker Mayfield especially, it just seems like they're on the cusp of really possibly making a rivalry here for the next 10 or so years of the Colts. Yeah, they absolutely could. Um, I, I think getting coaching in place was huge, but I'm not sure. The, that's what, That's one of my reservations. Like, I would have bumped him up as well. What he did with Baker was unbelievable. But my only reservation with the Browns, and and this comes up a lot around here, because all of a sudden the Steelers and Ravens are being cast aside, and it's the Browns division. And the Steelers and Ravens are so accustomed to having expectations, to playing in big games, national TV, you know, know, like – the sky's falling here in Pittsburgh because the Steelers missed the playoffs by half a game. You know, I mean, and I, I worked for the Browns, and they've never had expectations. And now you have a head coach who's never coached, you know, never been a head coach at this level in Kitchens who did a great job on offense, but is he going to be able to dedicate as much time to scheming up Baker and all those things? And how will he be with expectations, you know, and a very young team that hasn't won anything. That being said, and to your point, this roster is really, really good, though. You know, I mean, they've assembled a, a really strong group. And for once, you know, when I'm writing up offseason needs, usually it's like the Browns need everything. They pretty much need nothing at this point. And I think their quarterback absolutely is in place for the very long term, too. Yeah, that the Browns, I think, are right alongside the Colts. I would probably put the Colts a little bit ahead of them, but I do feel like the Browns will be the AFC North winners this year. I feel like they kind of – it's really interesting to me. It's kind of funny as well. I feel like I should try to Vegas make this bet before it goes differently. But the Browns are actually favored uh, higher Super Bowl odds than the Colts are right now, which I find hilarious. Yeah, I do find that hilarious. And um, I know a lot of people are also putting some money on the uh, the Ravens and the Steelers to win that division, particularly the Steelers, just because – all of a sudden, they're long shots now, and it's it, 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 it to me, it's easier to get from the bottom to a middle of the pack up, you know, uproot, you know, upstart or in, improving team, as opposed to being middle of the pack and getting to the elite. You know, I mean, it, everyone's gunning for you. You're not going to sneak up on anybody. 
And I just think people are putting the the cart before the horse a little bit in Cleveland. I mean, because you and I were having this conversation one year ago, we'd be asking things like, "Do you think the Colts or do you think the Browns will actually win a game this year?" You know, I mean, that that's where they were one year ago was coming off a winless season, moving pretty fast. Yeah, credit to John Dorsey on that. It just seems like he's really got that oh, yeah. thing going in motion here. But let's move on to the next team, who I think is a really interesting one now, especially the Rob Gronkowski News, New England Patriots, defending Super Bowl champions now. You can't really doubt Tom Brady and Bill Belichick at this point, but how do you think they're going to stack up next year, especially with Patrick Mahomes coming to his own? Andrew Luck might be getting into his prime right now. You also have Baker Mayfield and the other teams like the Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers aren't going away, L.A. Chargers. How do you think the, the Patriots now are going to match up now with, it seems like, without Gronk and without their number two, number three wide receivers now? I mean, I'm not ignoring your question or avoiding it, but I'm done almost analyzing these guys. I mean, every year, not every year, but lately, I've kept thinking they're and they're going to come back to mediocrity. You know, that their roster really isn't that good. And Gronkowski wasn't even all that good last year. I mean, he was really lumbering to move around and... I love that he retired because I don't want him to be remembered as the old man that couldn't play anymore. Yeah, he was a great blocker, and he still made some plays, but he was like the most irreplaceable piece besides Brady and Belichick to me, and he was falling apart, and they still won the Super Bowl. I mean, what they do up there is unbelievable, and I hate to keep bringing this back to the Steelers because I do a lot of Steelers stuff, and this is just a credit to the Patriots and why I saying about Pittsburgh is so many people around here in Pittsburgh have said, man, Tomlin and Ben have wasted this great era and bell and Brown. They should have won more Super Bowls." And the thing I say to them is they may, I'm not saying you're wrong people, but the Patriots made this life awful for everybody. I mean, Peyton Manning should have won more Super Bowls, right? I mean, Aaron Rodgers has won. Breeze has won. That these guys have been so good and so dominant that if you're the Steelers or Seattle or whomever, and you're second on the list over the last 20 years, that's not so bad. I mean, number one is just so dominant that comparing everyone to them isn't fair. So back to your point, I love where the Colts are sitting, but I don't think any of us are going to pick the Jets, Bills, or Dolphins to win that division. And I look at the Patriots roster, and I don't think it's all that great. But the team is, and the coach is, and the quarterback is. And, uh, I mean, they can win it again next year. It's remarkable. Yeah, until 12 and the hoodie are gone, I feel like there's a chance to win the Super Bowl almost every year, even if if Brady's almost 50. I I just just can't rule them out at this point. But I wish you look at their pass catchers right now. They're horrible besides Edelman, and it's not going to matter. It, it, it is incredible. I, I forget who they signed, but they're going to turn now into probably the next Edelman and uh, and um, Wes Welker, whoever those slot receivers they signed last week, which will be interesting. But the next team on our list here will be the Kansas City Chiefs, Matt, the team that knocked out the Colts actually in the playoffs. What do you think about them? They got kind of gutted defensively recently. They got they added Tyron Matthew, but they also lost their pass rushes in Justin Houston and D Ford. Have to assume now with them not really going after a pass rushing for eights, they're going to really target that heavily in the draft. Yeah, I mean, I think their formula is pretty obvious, and it was last year, is first one to 60 wins, basically. You know, I mean, it's shootout madness, and they're awful hard to stop. Although I do, do think the, the 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 offense slowed down slightly from 100 miles an hour to 90 miles an hour 
when Kareem Hunt was out of the equation. I mean, not that he's a special, special player, but I do think he was missed slightly, and I don't know that they've replaced him. Um, but their formula is obviously really strong, and it's all about scoring points, and that's exactly what you want in today's NFL. But the thing that I, I would worry about if I'm the Chiefs is, yeah, my, we all know the defense was bad, you know, allowed a lot of points, a lot of yardage. But the one thing they had going for them was they they created big plays, and the Rams were kind of like this too. That that's I mean, if you can get Mahomes one extra possession, you're going to win. You know, they 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 had a lot of sacks, and their their place is really hard to play in in their building, and it helps the pass rush. But if all of a sudden you don't have the playmakers, namely Houston and Ford and these guys. Are you going to create as many big plays going forward? And I think that's going to be hard to that duplicate. Yeah, yeah, it really will be interesting. And I, I feel like on the surface, I feel like Kansas City might be they're probably the same team next year, maybe a little bit worse as far as on the surface goes defensively if Tyron Matthews doesn't go up to perform his level as far as the money he got. But any other teams as far as that top elite tier, named off four teams so far, any teams that you feel might be left out of that conversation for the elite teams in the AFC? Let's just mention the Chargers quickly. I think they're really good, and I'm always supporting them, and I'm a Rivers believer. But they have some big things going against them, though, too. I mean, I thought Rivers, like Drew Brees, like some of these other older quarterbacks, really struggled down the stretch late in the year, looked beat up, looked old a little bit. But you look at a team like the Chargers, I mean, their roster's as good as any. I I think they are a, a premium team for sure. But they have a couple things that are just so hard to overcome in that they have no home field advantage. You know, it's almost a disadvantage when they play at home. They, in the organization as a whole, I don't trust all that. I mean, they've kind of neglected special teams forever and things like that. Like, I don't know how well they're ran historically, but they're as dangerous as anyone. I mean, I think they're really good and they played really well down the stretch, even though Rivers didn't excel. And then they just kind of hit a wall and looked like they wore out just playing so many road game after road game. Now, today is March 26, Matt. I know we're so far away from the season even start. We're a month away from the draft, which is super exciting. I love the draft every year, just following along with it. But if you had to rank those four or five teams there in a power ranking, what would you do right now in your March standings? Hmm. I think the Browns would be last, just because you're going to show it to me first. And we're not building a fantasy team here. You know, I mean, I need to see all those things gel, and I don't know if I trust the coach. I think the Chargers would be fourth. We had five teams, right? Yeah, correct. I guess I have to put the Patriots first, although they had the worst roster of all of them, just because they just won the Super Bowl, and I never saw that coming, and the same things we talked about. I think I'd go Patriots, Colts, Chiefs, Chargers, Browns. But the reality is I'd rather have every roster over the Patriots. Yeah, it's just interesting how it works that way just because you have maybe the greatest quarterback of all time. Maybe there is no debate at this point how many Super Bowls he has. But Tom Brady, you have maybe the greatest coach of all time, Bill Belichick. You really can't bet against him at this point. But let me ask you one more question related to the Colts before I let you go, Matt. And it feels like if the Colts get home field advantage, they're a team that I feel like is a scary proposition to go to the Super Bowl next year. Just what's your early thoughts on them as far as the outlook for next year? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'll pick them to win their division. I think the Titans and Texans are better than people think, or are at least improving. Um, but uh, I could certainly see a buy. I think they're going to be one of the better teams in the league. Again, I, I hope next year's the year that the nation.
realizes just what an elite player Andrew Luck is. And my hunch is they finally will after a, a dominant performance and hopefully he stays healthy, of course. Um, I have one question for you, though, before we leave, if you don't mind. Yeah, no problem. Is there somebody, I'm sure your fans know this answer, but is there someone that you're kind of crossing your fingers for the first round pick of the Colts? Ooh, that's a really good question. We covered it last week, and I think for me, are we inclu- if we're not including trip scenarios here, I think Christian Wilkins at Clemson kind of checks all the boxes here, just as far as character, performance, mm-hmm. and everything that goes along those lines. If they get a dominant interior defensive line that pair with Justin Houston, then you add in Darius Leonard and Malik Hooker on the back end, I think you're selling that defense for about 10-plus years. Yeah, I mean, I would really have to keep my fingers really crossed, though. I'm not sure that he lasts that long. I mean, I've done – Two mocks on my show, and I've had, I've mocked them Byron Murphy both times. How would you be with that? I actually like Byron Murphy from Scottsdale, yeah. Arizona. He's a pretty rangy corner, kind of fits his own system pretty well. I think with this year, especially if you look at that contract, there's an easy out after one year. So if they do take a cornerback round one at 26 or even at 34, there's an easy out there to get this year out of there and put in Murphy at the, as the number one cornerback in time. Yeah, yeah, and you could never have too many. And, and when I did the mocks, there wasn't a defensive lineman that was just jumping off the page. But I, I do think a defensive guy would be is probably in the cards. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I feel like the Colts might be a candidate to trade up this year because I feel like they already have so much young talent. If like a guy, if a guy like Ed Oliver slips to let's say twelve or thirteen, I won't be shocked at all if Chris Bauer called someone up and said, "Hey, I'll give you twenty six, thirty four, and a future second or first round pick or something like that." Yeah, that would make some sense too. Alrighty, Matt, before I let you go here, just for the new listeners out there, if they haven't heard the Locked on NFL share where they can find your workout, plug whatever you want. Yeah, just follow me on Twitter. I'm at Williamson NFL and Locked on NFL has been roaring. We we did some draft talk today and I have Mark Schofield on tomorrow. Mike Sando will be on Thursday. So it's good stuff. Please download it. Alrighty, guys, that'll do it for today's episode. Appreciate everyone listening in as always and, and Matt for coming on. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow for our next episode. Appreciate it.